0: This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com/excuse to start your free trial membership. Season nine, episode nineteen.
1: This is Writing Excuses, showing emotion. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry.
2: And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. And I am Howard. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That, that that you can do a better robot voice than that. I was just trying
3: to be as emotionless as okay. possible. Okay.
1: Right? Um, so showing emotion, <laughs> we've had a request to do a podcast on how to have characters show emotion without them appearing effusive, or becoming um, monochromatic or yeah. whiny. Mm-hmm. So how do we do this? It is actually a problem because one thing I've noticed um, is when you're writing along, oftentimes my YA editor wants me to show way more emotion than my adult fiction editor wants. The YA editor is always asking, how does he feel? Where I felt like, well, I've shown how he feels by the exclamation point right here. But <laughs> they want me to actually come up with some way. And so I've had to be like, oh, I have to like say something, do something in his head, or simply say, he said feeling infuriated, which is kind of my instincts go against. Um, whereas... In my adult fiction, my editor would be like, oh, you, you showed this up above. Um, and so it's been this really interesting thing with me where I've had to learn how to show emotion in a different way for a different medium.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because it does differ stylistically depending on what yes. you're doing. Like mm-hmm. the way I handle showing emotion when I'm writing the, the Regency books. right stylistically is Mm -hmm. very different than the way I do it if I'm handling, say, a tight third-person science fiction thing. Right, right. With the Regency, I'm actually much more likely to use an emotion word, Mm -hmm. whereas with a tight third-person SF, I'm much more likely to do more body language and avoid the emotion words.
1: Right, right. And I found in the YA, the editor, who I'm going to assume knows the genre really well, knows that a lot of teens are... Bundles of raging emotions and hormones, and are going to feel a disconnect from the character if they can't get a little
3: you've bit more explicit. Turn, you've got to turn the volume up enough yes. that they can hear you over yeah. what's already yes. going I, on inside. Mm-hmm. I
0: actually don't think it's that, mm. um, and this is—I I actually think that a lot of it has to do with with experience level. Mm. When you right. when you are used to. Um, you know, when, when you're used to hanging around with people, you know that a tightening of the jaw means mm-hmm. that a person is angry, yep. but you don't necessarily know how to read that body language, and part of learning to read that body language comes from reading books and mm-hmm. media. Yeah,
2: and, I, and I'd say that's even more so than knowing the body language. It's knowing our book language. Right. Language as oh, well, yeah. we we yes. Phrases we use, like tightening the jaw, Mm -hmm. um, that you may not have run across if you haven't read a lot of books. Yeah.
0: There's actually a a theory, which I I think is is interesting, that towards the beginning of the book, that you need to include a lot more uh, internal motivation of the character tied to the body language and the emotion words. And that the farther you get into the book... The less of that you need to include, because the the reader should by that point know how the character is feeling. You're, you're
3: establishing the syntax, yes. and then you're able to just use. You're, you can the shorthand syntax. it more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had a. Uh, uh, well, it's still unfolding now as we're speaking, but hopefully by the time this airs, it, it won't be a spoiler. Um, uh, the character Elf in Schlock Mercenary is uh, currently the executive officer for Captain Murtaugh, and at the previous at the beginning of the previous story. Uh, she had been under the impression that you know she and Kevin might end up in command of the whole company. And so here she is, instead of being a captain, she is the executive officer to a captain. You know, she's almost a glorified gopher. Um, and in the first scene in this book where we see her, uh, she has told Schlock, you need to go up and talk to the captain. And Schlock does not like the captain and, and puts captain in air quotes. And her reaction to that moment was critical because the reader knows none of this backstory information. I knew she's mad at the fact that she's an executive officer, and she's mad at the fact that she's not allowed to complain to Schlock about it, and she's mad that Schlock is complaining about it, and so I did one panel of her fuming, no dialogue, just a, a beat of her fuming, And then relaxing and telling Schlock, look, you know, just get up there. Um, And the whole purpose of that panel, again, is syntax. I wanted people to see, oh, he said something and then she was upset. And I'm not sure why she's upset, but but it's there. And I can drop that. And I I do Mm -hmm. drop that two or three more times before she finally confides in somebody and says, essentially says, I can't confide in anybody. I'm mad and I'm not allowed
1: to talk about it. So how do we avoid the whininess? How do we avoid the, you know, we want to get across the characters feeling a strong emotion?
0: I ran into this uh, problem really hard with valor and vanity. Um, and and a lot of it also comes down to a gender thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the things that happens in valor and vanity, and, and this, is, this is on the book cover blurb, so I don't feel like it's a huge right. spoiler thing, but... Um, but and it happens in the first chapter too. Jane and Vincent are attacked by pirates, um, and so are like destitute. Uh, and uh, and Vincent, being a a man in 1817, is very disturbed by how am I going to provide for my wife, and and has some depression issues. And I was having a lot of issues problems with my beta readers reading mm-hmm. him as whiny
1: mm-hmm.
0: when he voiced this. Right. And what I one of the things that I realized is that uh, that I had to I actually had to step back to my stage training, which is that there is a difference between watching a character cry and there, versus watching them attempt not to, and that when you allow the character to cry, the audience no longer has to feel that emotion for mm. them. And that if you want them to have a cathartic reaction to something, that you actually have to pull back and let the character, part of the character's protagging be the struggle to, to deal with the emotion. So, um, so it's the difference between the internal motivation and the public display. And that a lot of what I had to do was pull back the public display until a specific moment. Yeah. Which,
3: so, rem- Mary, which version did I read? Did I read the beta version or did I? Get did I read it after you'd fixed? Those? You read it after I'd fixed that because I remember when I read it, I did not have uh, I did not have any issues with Vincent, but I can't remember whose POV we were in. You're
0: in Jane's all the time. I'm in
3: Jane's POV. Okay, see that's what I thought, and that's what uh, one of the things that I was going to come around to is that I think I think we start to sound whiny. I think we start to sound like we're over emoting. When we use emotion words like he felt happy, she felt sad, whatever, um, because you're coming right out and saying what the feeling is rather than, rather than stepping back and showing the outward reaction to the, or even the reaction of the other characters in the room to the person who is struggling to contain the emotion. Right. This is the
1: good old show versus tell can help a lot here. But I do want to give that standard warning that I give with Show versus Tale is t- uh, shows take more words. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And sometimes in an intense dialogue scene, you just want to use the emotion word, like Mary said. And this is going to be your judging based on your genre, your audience, your own inclinations. A really powerful show can have a great emotional resonance and it can be awesome. But sometimes that also can break up a scene in such a way that you don't want to go go do that yeah yeah I,
0: I actually cut two scenes uh one of which oh, and this was one of the, the ones that was triggering the whiny uh one of which was Jane came back to the tiny apartment that they were sharing and uh and realized that Vincent had been weeping even though he was trying to mask it and just the fact that she caught him at it was enough to trigger that for people who mm-hmm. wanted him to man up. And I'm like, really? People are guys are allowed to be depressed.
1: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading
2: brands, and are high in fire to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Dan, you had Yeah, but let's do Book of the Week and then I'll Okay, Book of the Week this it. week is. Valor and Vanity.
0: <laughs> yes, we were
2: just talking about <laughs> Strange, that. Strange,
0: isn't it? Uh, so Valor and Vanity is, um, it's book four in the series, but it is of all of the books. I, I write them all to be standalones, but this one is, you can read this book without reading any of the others. It is a heist novel. I, I wrote it as uh, Jane Austen Writes Ocean's Eleven is the mm-hmm. pitch for this. So it's Jane Austen, uh, it's uh, Jane and Vincent are in uh, Venice. Lord Byron was there in 1817 for reels. Uh, so it's a heist novel with Lord Byron and magic and maybe a Doctor Who cameo.
1: It is really fun. I have read it. My favorite story about Valorant and Vanity is you had given it to me to read. and It was like six months before I was able to give you any feedback. By then it was useless for me to give you feedback. But I had read it and I remember sitting down talking to you and saying, oh, there's one thing that really bothered me. And I'm not going to give spoilers, but this character at this certain point, And then I stopped. And I realized that was the moment before the twist had happened that made everything make sense. Mm -hmm. And that is the emotion I had remembered strongly feeling. And then the twist had happened. And you just started grinning as you realized (laughs) that's what had happened. That I'd like, because then the twist explained it all. And my emotion had been, that's perfect. But, you know, I was searching for criticisms because that's what we do. And I'm like, oh, my only problem is this one thing that then the twist, of course, solved so it was it's exactly the emotional beats you want my only problem with this book is that you made me feel the way i was supposed to feel
3: right before (laughs) you made me feel the way i was really supposed to feel yeah i heart you guys
0: so much right now
1: (laughs) so it was a wonderful book i highly recommend it
3: mary Um, are you going to read it to us
1: i do i narrate this
3: oh that is awesome
1: and if somehow you have never read or listened to one of mary's books and you're still listening to our podcast. This would be the one to go get. We
3: are so sorry to gush, fair listener, mm-hmm. but you should go to slash excuse, start a 30 day free trial membership, and let Mary read Mary's book, Valor and Vanity, to you because it's
1: wonderful. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you don't read in that voice, right? No, I don't. <laughs> oh, that would be great. <laughs> no, you do by that Betty voice Boop.
3: as Dan. During, right, yeah, uh, episode like 9.3 or you something. You need
1: to do one of your books entirely in the phone sex voice. Yeah.
0: No. Oh, no, no. no that, that's a long time to listen to that joke. <laughs> yeah. You did miss me reading one of yours in that voice at at uh, JordanCon. Oh, thank goodness. All
1: right. So, let's move on with showing emotion.
2: Okay. Here's what I wanted to say. Mhm. Is that a great trick to uh th- that I have used to to help a character not seem whiny, is that sometimes you need to have them show a different emotion than you think you need to show. And I'm going to give an easy example from the Partials books. Uh, I had a scene where Kira was very frustrated, and written as frustrated, she came across as whiny. And what I had to do was change it so she was angry Mm -hmm. that her opinion was wrong. And so rather than an indecision between what do I do, it was more of an anger at... What I want to do won't work, and that's pissing me off. Yeah. And that kind of yeah, externalizes it a little.
3: Whiny is often what the reader says when what they mean is emotionally monochromatic. Right. Um, I, I, uh, I, I, I
1: use I, an example of this in my class. And so if you've watched my lectures, I'm sorry, I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, but there is a great example in the TV show Lost, um, which I can explain very easily. First season of Lost, fantastic storytelling, uh, great show that has one character whose son gets kidnapped. And this character, your son being kidnapped is a big deal. Like his son is gone. And you can imagine how powerful emotion that is. And yet at that point, viewers universally start to hate this character. And it is because this character at every moment is talking about his son being lost. And it's this strange effect because the writers obviously are like, well, he's gonna care about this, he needs to mention it. But at some point, You get to these scenes that are such like they're like all right what are we gonna have for lunch oh we should eat this i remember some of this my son and then you know the next (laughs) moment is all right this monster's chasing us everyone run you know hide over here oh he's that guy got eaten my son this person had one emotion through the entire second half of that season And even though it was a great emotion and it was a poignant um, character development, the fact that he only hit this one note destroyed him as a character for most uh, viewers.
0: Yeah, and this is actually one of the places where gallows humor Mm -hmm. comes in most handy for breaking up a character's emotion. Like, one of the the things that you'll hear people people who've been in combat, uh, people who work in morgues or hospitals, the jokes that they tell Mm -hmm. are hilarious and slightly
2: horrifying yes yes Um, the the summer i worked in a cemetery became incredibly dark probably has a lot to do with what i eventually ended up writing i was gonna say there's there's no way to not turn to humor after that much dourness Mm -hmm. right
1: you need to have your characters hitting different emotional beats no matter how powerful one of those emotions is no one can maintain that and if they do they become miserable to be around in person let alone you know on on the screen or on the book
0: yeah yeah and having someone who is who makes jokes about their own mm-hmm. emotional state right. will also make them seem more aware where and more self and in, more intelligent well place in place where
3: it's being done really well right now on tv mm-hmm. um uh is uh, granite flats which is the new byu tv drama that's come okay out. the the seasons are available on the internet you can Uh, You can watch uh, all of season one. I was floored by how well they were getting these characters to resonate for me. And I realized as we were having this conversation that that's because none of the characters were just showing their arc emotion. Mm
1: -hmm. They were
3: showing the emotions that were natural to the scenes they were in. And then when we come back around to the point at which somebody has triggered the the arc emotion it it hurts I mean it, it hurts us the right it's cathartic for us it mm-hmm. does what it, mm-hmm. you made me feel the way I was supposed to feel at the point I was supposed to feel it is what they pulled off
2: you know another way to make emotions work really well is to try to do contradictory emotions yes yeah. mm-hmm. um, and uh, my favorite example of this is the end of the first act of gypsy it's a musical about a, a girl who becomes a stripper and uh, she has been driven and driven by her mother. Uh, and so kind of the point you're supposed to get at the end of this act is, oh no, I'm locked into this horrible thing. And that could be a downer, but they portray that with this, the most rousing song of the show, uh, where the mom is singing about how everything's going to be great. And that makes the down seem even more powerful Mm -hmm. because it's contrasted with this big, epic hopefulness.
1: All right. Well, that was a fantastic episode. Um, we are going to force one of these podcasters. To give us. Oh, Mary, you de- you've you got one. Yeah. Um, you saved us.
0: Right. Well, we had, we had talked about this because uh, I just did the month of letters thing. And one of the things that I do during this is that I, I let people write to my characters. Um, and, and it's a, it's an interesting writing exercise. So for the pod, for, for your writing, um, I would like to invite you to actually write a letter to Jane or Vincent. And, uh, I will write back to the good ones.
1: Okay. Now, they should be writing this as if they lived in the time period. Yes. Correctly? The,
0: yes. So, it, so the time period is 1817. I will mm-hmm. write to you real time. So, whatever, whatever month you are listening to this, it will be that month, that date in 1817. The one request that I have is that you do not mention the books because Jane and Vincent don't know that they exist.
1: Right. You're writing as a person living in that world to Jane or Vincent or both of them. Mm-hmm. All right, fantastic writing prompt. So, you guys are out of excuses, now go write.
0: If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction.